Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the In the Paint Show, presented by Ball is Life, episode 145. Chelsea Hopkins, Ani Amana, and Ronnie Flores here for another episode. We appreciate you guys tuning in to the previous 144 and about the last 30 on video. Obviously, you can catch many of them on audio on your favorite uh, device, you know, iTunes, Spotify. But, Ani, how's it going, bud? Oh, it's going good. You know, season rocking. We got Thanksgiving yeah. Who Fest coming up. Yeah. Know. Busy, busy time in the high school world. Yeah, there's going to be some big games as you're watching this pod. I think there's going to be some good big games in Utah. Already we're going to have Arizona Compass facing Montverde. So, again, our, our two of our top four teams are going to go right at it. Uh, Chelsea, how are you doing? I know you went to Italy. Um, how's your season going? You're back, back in uh, Israel? Uh, back, we had, yeah, we had a week off. Um, I spent some time in Italy because I have a, a friend, Sequoia Holmes, who's actually playing there. So, uh, I went to Milan for the week. I really enjoyed myself. Never been there before, but it was very cold. So my knees were hurting the whole time, Ani, <laughs> literally walking and freezing. But it was worth it. And now I'm back in Israel. We have a game in about mm, 10 days from now. So just kind of getting back in the swing of things. Right now we sit at fourth place, and the next game that we play is for third place. So we're right there. We're yeah. good. Kind of like the NBA. It seems like, especially in the West, like, Team could be in fifth place, and then next day, two days later, they're in first place. Then, like, two games separate them from being in eighth place. Like, is that good, you guys think, or is that good for the game? Or is it more like, hey, the Bucks in Boston are the best team, and all this is just for show? Uh, no, I like it. I, I like it like that. Like, I like it where it's, it's tight, you know. Yeah. When you're the four C, you can't be comfortable because you can be an A seed. Or you could, sure. you know, all of a sudden be a play-in. So I like just the competitive nature, you know, when it comes to, like, playoff sure. season. I think I, I agree with Ani. I like it. It makes it a lot more interesting in the regular season. Um, you know, a lot of the criticism of the NBA is that people don't start watching until the playoffs. Right. Sure. But I do think that I do think that experience and championship pedigree kind of shines through, you know, more towards the end of the season. So sure. I would be surprised if like the Utah Jazz remain number one in the West and we're, you know, just a quarter through the way of the season. So we'll see. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh yeah, and you go on a five-game winning streak, that's, like, real big. And now, now you'll jump up three, four, five spots in the standings, and there's still hope for, like, even the Lakers and other teams, you know, that maybe didn't start off so well. So we'll follow that, and obviously we're following the young guys. That's where we're going to talk a lot about on this spot, some of the, you know, the young stars of, of high school basketball and kind of where they stand and, and, and as the season rolls and, and kind of historically, you know, with, with some great players like Imani Bates, who – who, who's trying to write the ship at Eastern Michigan and LeBron James. And we're going to have a special guest who's going to talk about that kind of like 20 year retrospective and of two, 2003, you know, their, their national championship with LeBron and, and his team, uh, Drew Joyce, the third Cyan Cotton, uh, Romeo Travis, they won the national championship and kind of how it started, you know, um, his father's still coaching at the high school ranks and his brother's coaching at the high school ranks in Ohio. So it'd be, we're going to talk a little bit with him about that. But uh, we're just going to start off and talk about, you know, various topics, just kind of things that kind of came across the newswire. Uh, obviously, so much happens. But, uh, you know, what, what quick quick thing, Ani, what did you think of Chris Brown not, you know, not being able to rock his MJ Thriller performance 40 years later? You know, I remember when it, Thriller dropped, you guys weren't around. Just that whole time was huge. You know, Michael Jackson's bigger than life. Obviously, he passed away in 2009. But 
if anybody can rock MJ kind of, it's Chris Brown, but like, you know, we don't get to see it. So what do you think of that? Yeah, I was disappointed in that because yeah. Chris yeah. Brown would be be the best at, you know, reenacting yeah. that, you know. I mean, sure. I mean, you could probably find someone that could be close, but I thought not allowing Chris Brown to do it just killed it. Like, yeah. I really wish they let him doing that, do that because sure. he's the, he'd be the best at it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I more felt a way about the way things were done. Like, yeah. apparently they just pulled his performance without any type of real explanation. Yeah. And, you know, if you know how much – you know, time and effort Chris Brown puts into his craft. Like, you know, sure. I, I'm sure he was working tirelessly on this performance and, you know, being able to, you know, um, have a great showing and for them to kind of not give any explanation, I just felt was weird. And, yeah. you know, Chris Brown has had, you know, his struggles with different things and, um, you know, domestic violence and, sure. and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm kind of like in a rock and a hard place with the situation because I just feel like, you know, at the same time, people deserve second chances. And that, you know, a lot of the stuff that happened was in the past. But, you know, um, if this is what we're kind of holding against him, then maybe we should at least make it known as opposed to just kind of like pulling his performance. Correct. And kind of at what point in time do we let it go, if at all? Some people say, well, hey, it was just Rihanna. It was a one-time thing. And other people say, well, no, you know, he did it kind of to Karuchi too. So I'm just, as a woman, like... It, it's it's I understand, but it, it's not fair. So I'm kind of just like in between, which it would have been nice to see it, but I'm okay not seeing it. Put it that yeah, way. I just think they just need to have there, there should have been an explanation, you know, yeah. like you said, just just cutting it off. And I, the sure. thing about it is he actually did that. Like Twitter would have gone crazy. Like, <laughs> you know, it, pro- it would have probably done them better if he did do it because <laughs> he would have done yeah. a hell of a job. So, like, that's yeah. why I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the world kind of missed out. Sure. From the performer standpoint, that's what right, I think, too. Right. Uh, you know, since Michael Jackson has died, obviously, at the end of his life, he wasn't making the money he was in his thriller and bad days. And uh, obviously, I went to school in UC Santa Barbara, and the, his Neverland Ranch wasn't very far away, so you always hear about it. But, like, you know, obviously, like anybody else, when he passed away, like, his estate, the value of his estate went through the roof. Mm-hmm. His estate's making 100 to $500 million a year now in his death. And some people are saying they're they're very um, protective of it. Like people have been sued for do using Michael Jackson like images and and things he owns. So we don't know if that was on the other end. Maybe his estate didn't want somebody to do it. We don't know that, but you know that that's a possibility too. But yeah, just from the performance standpoint, I was joking. I'm like, Michael Jackson is so popular that that Chris Brown is more popular for being his best imitator than for being Chris Brown. <laughs> you know, they're like, well, some people would know him just for that. Right, like you right. said, that don't know that much about him, but like Michael Jackson, but like, wow, look, that guy's so, so talented and awesome. So, uh, you know, we'll see, hopefully somebody can do it. Hopefully somebody can do it on the 50th year anniversary of thriller or something, something like that. You know, it could be set up where people know it's coming. And I mean, it was such a, you know, his album was so huge at that time. It was unbelievable. Obviously, the, his VHS for the movie, it's like a movie, really. His, the thriller um, video is more like a movie, a small movie, and it was like the greatest selling VHS tape of all time. So we'll see what happens with that, and hopefully Chris Brown can put out some, some good music and put out some performances in the future. Um, how about the World Cup, you guys? What do you think about that? Uh, any interest? Uh, you know, obviously – America's not huge on soccer. It's too bad. You know, we, a lot of kids play soccer and maybe it's going to be bigger in the future, but it seems like it's not on like people's radar, obviously on a day in and day out basis. Yeah. I didn't really follow it. I ain't going to lie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, 
my first love was soft. Yeah, well, for, for me, like, I'm... Yeah, I yeah. hear what you guys saying. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I, yeah. Like my first level soccer, I played soccer for fourteen years. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like people don't realize I played soccer since when I was like two years old to about fifteen, sixteen. I was really good at it, but I was just like, you know, Mama, I, I want to play basketball. Like I'm good. I, <laughs> I want to play basketball. I'm gonna just stick to basketball. So, but like she was so mad at me because I played like I was really good at it, but I was just tired yeah. of playing. Were you a little burned out or was it just not as, you know, maybe your friends weren't playing as much or what What was the main thing there? I think I was burned out. Yeah. Uh, I think I just really loved basketball that much more sure. and I wanted to focus on that. But also like the game changes. So like when you're, yeah, when you're like five to 10, 11, you know, it's more pure than I, like I, then later on you go into more of the club situation It's more politics and okay. then like there's more flopping when you get older and I hate flopping like because I'm, I'm just someone that just was like I was I was a physical dude like a defender yeah. so like I hated all the flopping I was like you know what man like I'm, I'm gonna go to basketball and there's flopping there now more flopping there. <laughs> you got more flopping dude. but I'm, I'm telling you there is way more flopping in soccer than basketball yeah. way more I couldn't stand that I is weird I hated the flopping so much I said mom I'm done like I'm gonna yeah. get a, I'm gonna get a yellow card every time Funny, funny. Uh, Ani, what do you think about the high school flopping and them trying to emulate? Uh, have you noticed that this season or lately trying to emulate the pros, you know, especially in the in the post or just kind of pulling the chair flopping? I saw that at a game recently. Do you think that's a good if if, if uh, referees emphasize that, try to get that out of the high school game? Because there's a lot of it. There's more of it than used to be, for sure. Yeah, they need to get that out. I, I'm not a fan of it. I've been seeing it more, like guys yeah. flopping, just falling to the ground, pretending yeah. like they're hurt. Like, get yeah. up. Like what? Are, what are you doing? Yeah, I think that needs to be a tech. We in the high school level, they need to make that a tech, just like they do in the NBA level. Like they got, they got to stop. They got to stop doing that. I mean, these kids. I saw a kid barely get touched, and he fell to the ground like his his face was hurt. You know, I'm just like, man, get just get up. Like, what are we doing? So I don't yeah. know. I I can't stand it because you know you see it, but you know, like they see that they emulate what's up at the top, and that's what they see yeah. in the NBA level. And it's, it's just, it's interesting. A, yeah, it's yeah, embarrassing. It's yeah, it's a bad thing. Well, we used to play in the blacktop a lot. We always thought like falling was a sign of weakness, like you're yeah, on the ground. Yeah. But you wanted to get up as soon as you can because you didn't want to be like, yo, I'm off balance or like, I'm not, you know, I can't guard this guy or whatever, you know, however you thought of it. And like, you always wanted to be on balance. I think maybe as players are more athletic or obviously they're indoors more, they don't mind falling because it kind of finishes their play. You know what I mean? And sometimes it legitimately is finishing your play like you slide or something. Like, you don't want to do that outdoors, you know what I mean? You wanted to stay on your feet. So, like, yeah, I'm with you. Hopefully it, hopefully it's a point of emphasis and they keep continuing to get rid of it because it's a, there's a lot of it in high school. Um, yeah. it's, it's it's pretty interesting that. But, you know, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, well, you know, Mexico's playing right now. So I'm a little bit interested. And Mexico's literally playing right now as we're doing this pod. So I hope they win their, their – uh, their pool is with Argentina, so I think those are the two favorites in that pool. You know, Argentina lost yeah. yesterday, though it was like a huge wow. upset. Did wow. You see that? Yeah, no, yeah, that'll be interesting. So maybe Mexico will go ahead in the standings and take the first place. But obviously, it starts getting real exciting when the elimination bracket comes. You know, it's just like any any tournament. You know, so we'll, right. we'll follow it a bit and hopefully it runs smooth. Uh, I know there's a lot, always a lot of uh, politics behind who hosts it and where it's at. Qatar, you know, uh, obviously it's a very small country, very rich country, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. 
Uh, moving on to a more serious note, um, is something that came across uh, Kobe Bryant's daughter, Natalia Bryant, the late Kobe Bryant. You know, she's 19 years old, uh, growing up fast, obviously. She's already been through a whole lot, especially in the last few years. Now she has a, it's coming out, she's in public, she has a stalker, I believe a 30-year-old man, and he's DMing her and telling her, I can't wait to make a baby, and maybe the baby can be a ball player like your dad, and just some weird things. So, you know, this probably happens more than we think. I, I don't know, I want your guys' opinion on that, but to me, I, I guess, Chelsea, are you surprised something like this happens to a young lady uh, with a big name like that, or what's your first reaction? I'm definitely not surprised. Like, you know, unfortunately, we live in a really, like, sick and, like, evil world. So sure. a lot of things happen that honestly don't shock me. Um, yeah. But especially when you're like a celebrity kid, which I feel yeah. like she kind of falls in that category. Like she they is. need protection. Yeah. They need extra security because people are yeah. nuts. Like, yeah. and, and this is just another case. And like I said, they're not always publicized, but you know, people deal with this kind of stuff all the time. And, and it's unfortunate that she's young. And, you know, when you're young, you're at an age where you want to, you know, be able to, to, to feel safe when you're just yeah. doing regular things hanging out, going to the mall. But like, unfortunately, that's not the life that, you know, some of these people live. So I, I feel sad and, and I'm hope that, you know, nothing really becomes of, you know, this man that just can't stop DMing her all the time. Yeah. yeah, That's just, that's just, I got the notification in the morning, like when I woke up and I was just yeah. like, what is going on? And like reading the story about the, the messages he's sending her and buying a yeah. gun and all that. It's sad because you do see that like women do get stalked into that sure. magnitude, uh, especially uh, celebrities. And uh, but I see it with regular women. That, I mean, it's just I don't know, just sick. <laughs> and then she already she's already getting through the process, her losing her dad, yeah. <laughs> losing Kobe, yeah. and then him making a comment about birthing a son named Kobe and all that. It's just like what, what what's going on? Like yeah, it it just it's just sad that there are just men that are that sick. Yeah. They're that sick. And I think a problem, and I think we we kind of touched upon it on a previous pod. I kind of mentioned my my grandfather and where he lived in L.A. And uh, he met my grandmother. And if they didn't hit it off, in other words, if they didn't, you know, get together, he would have saw her many, 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 many times at a store because they couldn't go nowhere. Like he married somebody that lived around the block from him, basically, or down the street. And so people were very cordial because many times you would go out with somebody and that person would marry somebody, you know, or that person would marry somebody down other down the street. And you still had to be cordial with them. You know what I mean? Because they were neighbors. They were literally neighbors. And now that's not the case. You, you meet a guy and and he could be in another city. A woman could fly to another city. A man could go to another city. It's so much access to people. You know, that, that's the scary. You have access. I could inbox basically anybody. I don't have to know them, right? And tell them, hey, how are you doing? Or tell them something crazy. And it's like, that's just not something uh, people thought about as much. It's, it's just more for women to worry about. And, and then you wonder why they block people. I I, mean, I uh, heard somebody on Twitter the other day, a woman say, yeah, I've, I blocked 2,000 people. I'm like, wow. Mm -hmm. I was just like. You have to block it. Like it's not even something a dude even thinks about. I don't. I haven't blocked one person ever. I don't know what you know. I blocked a couple. I blocked. A couple. <laughs> yeah, I, I blocked a couple. Honey, yeah. I mean, you got fans. Or you got crazy fans. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You know what I mean? Like it's just. But for for Chelsea, it might be something you have to do. You might have to block somebody that's acting up or something. You know, 
it's just crazy. So for her to be 19 and probably just starting her life, just starting college to deal with that is, is unbelievable. But it's also a very sticky situation because they're talking about the, the cops and, um, you know, uh, LAPD and things like that. They're under fire. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've known this is a, a, a personal note. Uh, a friend of mine who played college basketball at TCU for Billy Tubbs, he's LAPD. He's been on the uh, protective detail for, for Vanessa before. When, when Kobe was alive oh, wow. many years ago. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's, I, again, I don't want to say it all because I don't know how, how that works out, but it's on his off time. If he, he, you know, he's been her bodyguard in essence before. So, you know, God forbid Natalia Bryant, that's a huge name. And as we know in LA, the cops are under fire. The crime is under fire, like the amount of crime we have. And we have a new mayor and she's got to run on the crime ticket. I mean, crime is pervasive. Everybody's talking about it right now. So God forbid they know the reason why the cops are so or people are worried about what the cops are thinking about this is because it's a public relations disaster. Potentially, if something were to happen to that young lady, it would be very bad across the city. People would feel unsafe. It would be a flashpoint, just like any other thing that, you know, obviously we don't want to talk about it much because we don't want nothing bad to happen or but. There's a reason why people are talking about this because it's 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 a public thing, you know. So hopefully everything works out and nothing becomes of this. We don't want to spend too much time on it. Um, you know, uh, EA Sports on this change of subject. EA yes. Sports, talk a little bit about that real quick. They're bringing the football game back. Uh, do you, you know, they haven't had it in 10 years. It's going to supposedly come back in 24. What's your thought about that? What do you think about the players actually being in the game, not just their likeness, like, Hey, on you, you play for Texas Tech. We're gonna give you, you know, twenty five thousand dollars, and you're and you're gonna be in the game, you know, compared to just your silhouette. And hey, that's a six one African American guy. It kind of looks like Ani, but we don't know if it's Ani, you know. <laughs> right, right. No, I'm I'm excited about it. I was a big yeah. uh, NCAA yeah. football, two yeah. uh, K basketball, uh, college yeah. basketball uh, fan. So like, I'm excited about. It. And I'm excited the players get paid. You know, it, you yeah. know, like. You could, uh, I remember, I think it was NCAA 13 or 14 football. Yeah. Like, the players look exactly like, like you said, like that player. And then you could download the roster with their names, and it looked exactly like that player, you know. So yeah. now for them to get paid is a beautiful thing. I'm just happy they're getting paid. And I'm excited for it back. I'm going to be playing it. Like, I, <laughs> I loved NCAA football. I don't play Madden, but I'll play NCAA football. Interesting. Interesting. How about uh, Chelsea? Did you ever play a video game with like a cosplayer or any of those when you were younger, or not too much? I actually like. I'm not really so much into the sports games. Like me and my brother grew up with everything Sega, PlayStation. But I used to play good old Mortal Kombat, Crash Bandicoot. You know, just okay. classic games. So I never really got into um, right. the you know EA Sports games. But I will say that I'm happy that as long as the players are getting paid, then it's fine with me because. Yeah. Like Ani said, the players look exactly like the likeliness. You yeah. know, they, they got away with many years of just kind of imitating, you know, the current roster of all these different teams without having to give out any compensation. So I'm actually interested to see how that's going to work. Um, I haven't really heard about them bringing this game back. So I know with the new N- um, NIL agreement and stuff that since they have to be paid, how, how are they able to disperse it? Have you guys heard yeah. anything in regards to how they're going to do it? No, I think that's why they're delaying it one year because people thought it was going to come back in 23. It's going to come back in 24. So I think to your point, Chelsea, that's what they're working on. Like, how does that work with ES Force? I think that's more interesting, like you said, to me a little bit. How is that 
contract work? How does that disbursement of any funds work to the players? Which players are on it? What schools agree? They already got the licensing for the helmets and for the uniforms for them from the various schools or from the NCAA. So that just that is a big process in itself, getting the licensing. As we know, we can't uh, an athlete can endorse um, you know, things in NCAA owned products or logos, you know, whether it's Jared McCain or Mikey Williams, they, they can't, right. you know, Mikey Williams can't have a Memphis logo on his, on his, um, you know, on his endorsement. I, I, it's funny. I went to Mikey Williams first game and I counted the, uh, cameras. There was 39 cameramen there oh, and oh, wow. he also has a burrito <laughs> from a local, from a local taco stand. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's pretty interesting. I wish I would have. I'll share with you guys a photo. I wish I could have shared it on the spot. I just thought about it. But yeah, he has like a, a, a burrito, a, a burrito. I don't know what's in it, and I didn't try it, but Mikey Williams has a burrito. So, you know. Well, speaking pretty- of him, though, so what are your thoughts on his commitment to Memphis? Do you think it's a good a good look, a good opportunity for him? Like, how, how do you feel he's going to fit in there? Yeah, I think with him and J.J. Taylor, who's his high school teammate, who's from Chicago, who played at Donda, they're both committed there. Obviously, they have a good rapport, but when I look at it, like, um, I think for Mikey, it's it's a it's a no win because if he doesn't want to go there, if the roster is not the way he right. wants, he could just go pro or go to uh, he had he'll have another option. He could even sit out, really, with the amount of money he's he's making. But he obviously doesn't want to sit out. But I think Chelsea, to answer your question, the pressure's on Penny Hardaway more than the players. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing with the money base and Dalen Duran didn't really go too well. Like, if those players are not to the level that we expect or, uh, you know, based on how much notoriety they have, like there's going to be a lot of heat on Penny Hardware. I know he's the the born son. He's the prodigal son of Memphis and he's from there and people love him, but like, he's got to win at some point he's got to win. So they got their work comfort out for them. Corona Centennial beat them pretty bad. So it's not like they're the best player. It's not like Mikey Williams, is the best player in the country. You know, he's the well-known player, but he's really a top 50 player. And we'll talk about that here as we switch gears a little bit, but, about the top players, but yeah, him and JJ Taylor are not right now dominant per se high school players. So they're going to have their work cut out for them at the cause level. They need other pieces. And again, when you have a roster made up of a lot of Memphis players and you bring in the stars, you gotta, you know, you gotta make sure that works because that, that, that seemed to be a problem when they brought in Imani Bates and Jalen Durant. you had these guys who are from Memphis or from Tennessee. They're in the program. They're working hard. They're expecting to play a lot. Then boom, you bring in these two guys, and now they're playing times right. cut out. So the dynamics has to work. I think that's the main thing. No, I I agree with you, uh, Ronnie. Yeah. Uh, there yeah. can be two quality pieces for Memphis, but you know Penny's in the hot seat. You know, he not. I mean, not maybe not fire, but he has to win. <laughs> like yeah. at, at this point, he he has to win. They're they're on an okay start right now, but um, I for for Mike and JJ Taylor, I mean, it's a good it's a good place. Like. They can fit Penny's system, just how he likes to use his guards and his wings. And uh, if it just doesn't work out, they can. They're still going to be hot commodities for high major yeah. programs or whatever they want to do. If Mikey wants to go pro or whatever, so there's flexibility there. But I'm with Ronnie. Like Penny has to win. You know, yeah. he has to get it done. Those are two kids. They come in. They're not going to be stars right away. They would be, yeah. you know, maybe rotation pieces. You know, sure. So it just is one of those things. A good com- is a good commitment for Memphis, but Penny still got to win. Yeah. And speaking of those two guys, they didn't. Uh, we talk about the national players of the year, the best players in the country. Like we said, they're good pieces. They're not. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not. Jalen Duran's a pretty good NBA player, and he was pretty good at Memphis. I, I'm not right. sure they're to that impact. 
But uh, they didn't appear on any of the uh, preseason ballots for Mr. Basketball USA, which is a national player of the year that I've I've been uh, involved in for many years. And this, God, we've had the tracker now where we, we vote on the top players, their progress through the years, 2008. So I guess this would be, what, the 15th year, 15, about the 15th year, 2008 season when we started it. And before that, we picked it, but we just picked it. We didn't have like a tracker, like a, a voting panel. We just mm -hmm. picked the player of the year, whether it was Greg Odin, LeBron, uh, Dewan Wagner. We, we just picked it at the end of the year, the, the best guy we put possible. But now we have a, a voting system in place. So I just wanted to go over that, go over the voting. It's obviously on a, it's a 10, 10 voters or a, co a committee or panel of 10. And it's, uh, you know, a 10 point must system basically. So basically the first place guy gets 10 points. If you want a guy second place, nine points, and then so forth and so on down. You know, third place is eight points. And um, there's a hundred. So if you if everybody was a if there was a consensus pick, he would get a hundred points. Uh, so there was a consensus pick before. Ben Simmons was a consensus pick, and believe it or not, in 2021, Chad Holmgren was a consensus pick at the end. He yeah. got all 10 first place votes. Jabari Smith had 79 points, so he had a variation. Last year, the National Player of the Year was Derek Whitehead, who's now a freshman at, at uh, Duke. And he had 90 points, seven first-place votes. So he still had a real strong – he was a strong candidate. 90 points is a pretty strong candidate, obviously. Uh, so when you look at this year, I, I think the first thing that jumps out is it's wide open. First place is DJ Wagner, the senior guard from Kentucky going to uh, – from Camden going to Kentucky. 71 points. Four first-place votes. He got the most first-place votes. Second is Isaiah Collier from Wheeler, number 12, at 50 Wheeler, 57 points. Third place, three first-place votes. And nobody else got any more than that place first-place votes. Besides those two, uh, you know, smorgasbord. Xavier Booker uh, got uh, one first-place vote. He's not even in the top seven. Uh, actually, he, is, uh, he did get the first-place vote, and he's, he's third overall with 43 so the, the 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 first place votes are thrown around. Even Cam Boozer, who's fourth overall, got one first place vote. He's a sophomore at Columbus in Miami, 40, 40 points overall. Ron Holland, uh, your guy from Duncanville, Ani tied for fifth with Justin Edwards from Imotep. They both got 36, 36 points. Justin Edwards, I do believe, got one first place vote. And Ron Holland didn't get a first place vote, but he got a, a second place vote. And then we have more of balance later on, like, Ian Jackson came in seventh, the junior from Cardinal Hayes, who we've had on the pod. And he didn't have anywhere close to a first-place vote, but he, a lot of people think he's a top candidate. So, uh, Chelsea, just wanted to get your first reaction to the top guys. And then, like I said, in regards to how you compare to previous years, you know, with Chet getting 100 in the at the end, and then this, you know, uh, DJ Wagner's a leader with, with 71 points, which is not a, not a slam dunk in this system. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk. And, and the fact that five people garnered first place votes kind of just lets you know that there's no clear cut favorite. Um, sure. I think probably most of the people on the committee went with the safe pick, um, sure. which is why DJ was able to, you know, come up with 71 and get four first place votes. But it just seems pretty open. Um, I look yeah. at Cameron Boozer at number four. You know, we've talked about him a lot, just yeah. about how he can potentially be maybe one of the best players in the country. But I think being a sophomore, you know, people think, oh, well, he has time to be Mr. Basketball. So we're sure, not going to sure. necessarily give him the reward right now, even if he kind of deserves it. Um, but that just kind of sticks out. Like, there's no consensus. Uh, you've named people that, you know, have done it in the past or were just close to 100 points, and and we're not seeing that. So I, I think, yeah. honestly, it, it's pretty open, even though DJ's kind of the favorite. Yeah. 
you know, I'm gonna just say this: Cameron Boozer should be number one. I mean, he's, he's the he's the best player I know. Like in the past, like with Amani Bates getting it, and you yeah. know, and over Kate Cunningham, that looked kind of crazy. Well, that is crazy. I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Cameron Boozer is. He should be number one. Like I, I, I get it with DJ Wagner, and you know how I feel about the twenty three class. I mean, I, I don't hate, but it's just the voting for this shows you where there's not a clear cut number one in that class, sure. and they still have a lot to prove. And I feel like Cameron Boozer in a year and a half has done enough to make him number one. So that's that's just my opinion. Like. Yeah. Okay. That's so next strong year, opinion. He, might be, he might get a hundred points and be a consensus. You know. He should get 100 points now. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this. Like you said, for Mr. Basketball, the thing we do, Cade Cunningham was the winner in 220. Um, Imani Bates was in fourth place that year as a sophomore. As you say, remember, we were talking about a sophomore. And, and you know, the top three guys were guys that are impact players, which was Evan Mobley and uh, Jalen Green was third place. And then Imani's fourth. At that time, it seemed like, wow, this guy's a generational player. He won the Gatorade National Player of the Year, as you mentioned, Ani, which is kind of like, wow, you look back at it, you're like, wow, that guy was on that level as a sophomore. Do you think now people are being precautious without putting with, with, with putting him or Cooper Flag way up there because of what happens with Amani, or do you think what happened with Amani has no bearing on Cam? No, I think, it, I think it does have some bearing on him. I okay. think, you know, because people – Looking at where Amani is, and even though he's coming back up, especially yeah. at Eastern Michigan, yeah, there's a lot of big time national guys that saw that they made mistakes, and so they don't want to do the same thing. So they're in a way they're protecting the Cooper flags and the yeah. Camel Boozer. But in the reality, yeah. just trust your eyes. Like, yeah, yeah, they are going. It's it's it's, it's pretty obvious when you look at Cameron Boozer. It's pretty obvious when you look at Cooper Flag. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, there could be a lot that happens between now and wherever, you know, we expect them to be, but I think it's just more obvious than Omani Bates, in my opinion. Okay. Very interesting. Do you feel that way too, Chelsea? Like, because of what's happened in Omani and people are being a little cautious, like he's, like you said, he's a sophomore, he has time, why rush a sophomore, why put so much pressure on him? Or or do you think, no, they're just voting the way they feel is is fair no I, I think that that definitely comes into play kind of what yeah. Ani said but but i don't think that it should though because right. when you're voting with anything you're voting in the moment sure. what is this guy doing for me right now like yeah. you know a lot of times we get caught up in potential and what somebody's going to be and now it's easy to say amani didn't deserve it because we see that his you know the kind of course that he's on right now sure. you know kind of reinventing himself leaving memphis but, yeah. you know, in that moment, he was the best player. And yeah. that, that's how we should vote. And, and I think, you know, people are giving safe picks. And, you know, nobody wants to be wrong. But, you know, I could be right about Imani his sophomore year and be wrong about him, you know, as he becomes, uh, you know, sophomore player or, you know, college player. Like, you sure. just never really know how something's going to translate. And we honestly see that at every single level, from number yeah. one picks in the NBA draft to being bust when they finally start their careers. Or people, you know – being second round picks and making a huge impact and winning multiple championships. So I think that it does definitely have bearing, but it shouldn't sure. like when you're voting on something, just vote on the best player right now, regardless of what's happening. Yeah. Right. It's very interesting. As we said, we've done this 15 years. And when we take a look back even further, again, the two guys who've been on that high level, Imani, and it would be LeBron James as a sophomore. They're only two 
sophomores to be first five All-Americans as, as sophomores, the first, you know, sophomore players. And I remember they played Oak Hill and they were undefeated. And Oak Hill won the national championship that year. But they lost 79-78. Mm-hmm. And uh, Oak Hill missed two free throws at the end. You know, messed front end of the one-on-one, I should say. And then LeBron came down and he, he his shot was off. They lost by a point. But he had a great game. And I think that's where people on the inside, you said people that are watching games across the country were like, this guy might be the best player in the country. Because the best player in the country that year was, the winner was, ironically, DJ's dad, Dewan Wagner, when he was at Camden. He was the national player of the year. He, had, he was averaging 42 points a game. He had a 100-point game. So I think that pe- that was in the national spotlight at that time. He had a lot of notoriety. He, had, he was on TV a lot. And the other top guys were guys who were going in the NBA draft, which was Tyson Chandler. Eddie Curry, and then Kwame Brown kind of came on late. People were like, wow, Kwame's really big. And Kwame became the number one pick, but he wasn't close to being the national player. It was most likely going to be Eddie Curry, Tyson, or or DeJuan. But now that you look back at it, we probably should have gave more credence to LeBron. And if there was a voting system, we might have. You know, people might have said, hey, you know what? This sophomore is really, really good. And then that summer, he was really awesome, and he he was taking it to the next level. level. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. His junior year, again, he's now he's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He's on the cover of Student Sports Magazine, which I was part of. And, and he's getting bigger than than anything going. And he's a national player of the year. And then his senior year was like a movie, basically. But And then they won the national championship. And in his junior year, they lost in the state final. Uh, there was a first loss. So I, we're going to talk to Drew Joyce, the point guard on that team. Drew Joyce the third. Hopefully he comes on here in the in-paint show in a few minutes. But, yeah, it was very uh, – very interesting when we talk about a sophomore, and I don't think any other sophomores have been on that level. So we'll see where, where Cam ends up this season. He's going to have plenty of opportunity, you know, to to show himself in, in big tournaments, the Chick-fil-A, the City of Palms. But, yeah, you know, I would take a look back now that you think about it. I mean, I, I, I like DeJuan Wagner. He was a great story at the time. But he, was he probably better than LeBron? No. You know. <laughs> but he was averaging 42 a game, so I get it. Like, had a 100-point game. Like, there's nobody ahead of Cam that's doing that. So, like, yeah. I get it. Yeah. You know, he's right. putting Will Chamberlain numbers up. I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm saying. If if, if DJ Wagner – or Isaiah, if Isaiah Kohler has a 100-point game and averages 40 points a game, he's going to be way up there. And we yeah. good. It's not like Camden wasn't good. They wanted right. to – you know, they, so I think LeBron was just coming on, and his coach at the time was Keith Dambrot, who uh, went on to be a college coach uh, after his sophomore year. And then, uh, you know, those guys, the, the core of the team was the sophomores. They're all sophomores together. Drew Joyce, uh, you know, Tr- Romeo, Travis. Mm-hmm. And, and then Drew Joyce, the second, became the coach LeBron's junior year. So we're going to yeah. talk to, Cam, you know, Drew Joyce the third and his brother's Cam Joyce, but Drew Joyce the third about, you know, that transition, playing for your dad. And now he's coaching at Duquesne. And, and just kind of talk a little bit about that and take a look back at 20 years. And then, like I said, it got so big, uh, Ani and Chelsea, that they decided to put his game against Oak Hill, LeBron, his senior year on ESPN2. And uh, it was the highest rated show on ESPN2 up until that time. I guess the channel had been around maybe seven years at that time. I I don't know the details, maybe seven or eight years. And it was the highest rated TV show. So, like, LeBron just took off from there. Now he was on SportsCenter every night. Mm -hmm. His highlights were on SportsCenter. They came out to California for the Pangos Dream Classic. It was another sellout. And, like, at that time, he was already, like, a celebrity. 
probably the first high school player, maybe besides Kareem, you know, back in the days, it was like a true like A-lister celebrity, you know. So we're going to talk a little bit with Drew about that, how they handled it and handled the expectations. And, and, and then him in coaching, you know, like he's in coaching now, just like his father. His father's still the coach at St. Vincent, St. Mary. And, oh, wow. um, yeah, and he's still winning, you know, like, you know, so I don't know if, if, if Drew has to try to recruit some of his dad's <laughs> players or like, you know, Duquesne's trying to win, you know, they, they, he, 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 he now is on the staff of his high school coach, Keith Danbrock, who was at Akron for 13 years. And now he's at Duquesne. So that's a very interesting thing. He's almost like coming home playing for somebody that he really, you know, Right. Are working for somebody that he really knows and trusts. And I'm sure Coach Dan Broad has a high opinion of him. And, is, you know, he's very well known in, in there in Akron and in, in the greater Ohio area. So, yeah, it's a very interesting story. I, I, you know, I know you guys didn't see it necessarily live at that time. But did you guys even hear or Chelsea, I guess you were you were probably in junior high. Did you hear anything about that at the time, LeBron? Or no, you didn't. You were just playing ball and you didn't. Did you know a little bit about him? No, I actually did. Um, you know, my dad was a high school varsity basketball coach. So yeah. Uh, yeah. believe it or not, like when we had the big time tournament in Las Vegas, I saw everybody. I've been, yeah. you know, was with my dad, bronze out right. there. I just yeah. remember my dad coming home, talking to my mom about this kid that was like, looks like a grown man. Like, sure. I don't even know if I really knew like what was happening at the time. Sure, so my dad sure. like, looks like a grown man, like he was dominating. So yeah. just everybody passed through Vegas at some point in time. So Correct. I was very young, but I just remember the stories. I remember seeing with my own eyes players like um, Kevin Love and OJ Mayo and Brandon right. Jennings. And these are obviously people that are more around my class. Right. Um, but definitely, definitely, definitely remember um, how it was a big deal. Just them even passing through Vegas. And then obviously that translates to him being on ESPN and just kind of blowing up from there. Like my dad yeah. said he's never really seen a kid just from start to finish like Bron, like just be in the spotlight um, at such a young age and just be able to handle it. And, and like you, to your point, Ronnie, he, he was a celebrity, a legit yeah. celebrity as a teenager. So yeah, I remember. Yeah. It was yeah. Uh, very big. Yeah. I remember, I remember it vividly. I remember watching the ESPN games, all American games, all American dunk contest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like just every time he was on, like I, I watched him on ESPN. I'm like, yo, this man is like, yeah. This is incredible. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, you yeah. know, I was just amazed by. I was like, but it. I didn't realize at the time because I was so young that like this is so new, you yeah. know. Because I was so young, I'm thinking they normally do this. And yeah, for every high school star. For every yeah. high school boy, but I was like, man, LeBron James is fantastic. Like, yeah. So I just remember what I would, and they would do reruns like the McDonald's All American Game. I remember they just do reruns. I would just watch it. Not just yeah, right for there. sure. And then that year was at Gund Arena, which was smart. They had it at Gund Arena. It was sold out. Sonny had his game in Chicago that was sold out. And then everybody knew LeBron was going pro, so he didn't he wasn't getting recruited. So he wasn't able he was able to bypass the two all-star game rule. So he played the <laughs> Capital Classic at the MCI Center. It was sold out. So like you know, everywhere he went, it was it was sold out. And and he was well known as a young guy with the Northeast Ohio shooting stars. They they went to AU Nationals. You know, and they talk a little bit about that in, in that movie, uh, more than a game that came out years later. And there was actually a um a videographer following them around all their senior year kind of, I think it was part of a school project. And, and so it became like a big thing, a huge thing. So we'll, we'll talk to coach Joyce about that. And yeah, he's a, he was a point guard on the team. What I kind of remember is, especially in their games is they were so well-schooled because they played together since junior high. So they were, it wasn't like a thrown together team or like a, a Oak Hill or Ma Verde where guys were coming from different areas. They were like well-schooled. 
you know? And, and even they were all close they, friends. Like, you know, yeah. we hear now till this day, like the stories yeah. of them being brothers and pictures yeah. when they finally link up. And, and I think yeah. that they've kind of just had that chemistry, you know, Correct. for a long time. Yeah, and Drew Joyce was the, like the coach's son. He's the point guard. He's like, everything was kind yeah. of worked out perfect. And um, obviously when they were good all four years, and, and, you know, when he was a senior, uh, the leader of the team was obviously a guy who he does business now with, you know, Mav Carter. Mav Carter was one of the best players in the country or, you know, top 100 player. He played at Nike camp. He was well-known. I mean, LeBron might have been, you know, the talent as, even as a freshman, but like Mav was a big, you know, good player and, and got a lot of accolades. And that was his LeBron and those guys his freshman year. Mav was a senior. You know, so he's a little bit older than them, you know, class of 2000. So obviously he played in high school from 2000 to 2003. So we're going to talk with Cam's like, it's been 20 years. They, that big even, so that year when they beat, uh, when they lost to Oak Hill by one point, they came back and Carmelo was on the team his junior year mm -hmm. and, and they played in another big time game. And, and people were talking about, well, why is this LeBron kid? Is he going to, you know, sit out his senior year and go to the draft? So the, it was a late February game. I remember vividly because it was the NBA All-Star weekend. And that game was going on. It was back and forth. And Oak Hill pulled out a close game. I think LeBron had 36. Carmelo had 34. Mm. And it's very interesting because now Bronny's going to be playing against Carmelo's son here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> right. You know, Cyan Anthony. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's going to be very interesting. Uh, so you know, so it would be very interesting uh, – that, that, that kind of thing, like 20 years has passed quick. I think coach is in a meeting right now. So he's going to, we're going to wait for him a little bit. You know, he's, he's, he said he's in a meeting, so he's going to jump on, but yeah, you know, we'll talk a little bit about uh, just the high school player then, then and now. And, and I, I don't think for the average player, much has changed. I think that was like you said, on a watershed moment. I think as ESPN is um, continues to televise games, there's games all over the place. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure every game has the magic of that anymore. You know, right. it's kind of a novelty. You know, we can watch a bunch of games on stream now on ESPN Plus on on TV, and obviously it's become like a, a series of games, and, and the competition's bigger and better. Uh, but I, I still don't think a player's bigger than that. You know, people argue like Mellow Ball and Mikey, and I'm like, guys, they're not bigger than that dude. Like they're not. Like it's different. It's just something different about it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because you didn't have access, but I don't know if you guys have an opinion about that. So, so what about Victor though? I mean, that, I'm, hearing, I'm, about to say. I'm hearing rumblings that he's the next yeah. LeBron, and you know, freaking um, yeah. people have made comments that you know, if 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 he was in school the same time LeBron was, then he would be it, which I doubt. But you know, that's what they're saying. So, so what are your thoughts on on Victor being the next best thing? And and if he played, you know, he he's obviously not playing high school basketball in the states, but sure. if he did, I mean. Maybe yeah. you can make an argument that it would bring, you know, garner similar type of attention. I, I don't think every, anybody would ever top LeBron. And like I said, I was 11 at the time. So I have, you know, different memories of everything, but it, it, it was sure. still very valid. And, and social media has changed so much that I think a lot yeah. of these games are getting more pub than they probably actually would have, or more than they deserve just because of it being so accessible to us, you know? That, sure. That's how you know, like, how crazy it was with Braun because yeah. we didn't have IG and we didn't yeah. have Snapchat and we didn't have, you know, so everybody's highlights now are getting upgraded 
you know, are posted on social media every day and they're not really like that. Like you got to hear about right. Braun word of mouth or you got to go to the gym and it's standing room only and see it for yourself. And word yeah. is really just spreading by people, you know, relaying what they saw. So yeah. I think that that's why it will never be the same because everybody's accessible now. It's just different times. But even still, I don't think that there's a player that is going to ever garner that type of attention and, and maybe even kind of exceed the expectations that people put upon them like at an early age. Yeah. Go ahead, Ani. What's yeah. You know, Victor would have similar. So, you know, me and Ronnie were there for that Victor and Scoot game and it wasn't packed, you know. Yeah. Even though we were amazed by what we were watching. <laughs> I was. I mean, we were really yeah. the hell we yeah. watching right now. Yeah. yeah. But I would feel that if LeBron were to have played, so that yeah. whole, it would been it would have been packed. It, it, it would it, the gym would have been packed. Uh Victor is like similar, but he just he's more Kareem Abdul Jabbar, yeah. like just whoa, like whoa, like you want to see him, yeah. You know, Look at him, you want to see how big he is, yeah, right. Yeah, and, yeah. and he's fantastic in his own right, but like LeBron was that you know, right. this is this is the next goat, <laughs> uh, and especially I just felt like LeBron would have packed that gym, and then Victor probably had it half filled, even though I think it should have been full, anyways, you know, just for yeah. if you're a basketball guy, but yeah. um. Yeah, I agree with you, Chelsea. I think Victor's kind of has some similarities, but I nothing like LeBron. LeBron just packed that whole gym. It didn't matter how many fans it could take, he would have packed it. Yeah. Um, Ani, to your point, yeah, I, I think from the from the prospect standpoint, it's like, wow, this guy can be something else. And he is from a prospect. Is he the best prospect ever? I guess we could debate that a <laughs> right. bit, talk about that, but uh yeah, you're right. There's certain athletes that have an aura. You know, uh, I haven't seen it too often, um, live or on TV, whatever you want to call it. So when LeBron came, he had already been on TV with the Oak Hill game. They blew Oak Hill out in Cleveland. And then he came to Dinos' event at the Pangos Dream Classic to play modern day. And there was already more anticipation. You know, like, oh, we want to see this guy. We want to see this guy in L.A. Dude, for the first time ever, the Goodyear blimp was, you know how it flies over like the Rose Bowl uh -huh. or something? The Goodyear blimp was flying over UCLA, right? <laughs> like from the aerial shot. So it's like, this is a big game. You know what I mean? People were trying to get in. It was sold out. And I remember my buddy was scalping tickets. I'll never forget my buddy. He played ball, you know. Dino said, so he was selling programs. And, and I was like, get a couple programs because it'll be worth something. You know, get it. I'll tell my friends, get a couple programs. And he was selling them. He was selling the programs. And we were realizing, like, people were scalping the tickets. This thing was sold out for sure. The game was already sold out through mm -hmm. Ticketmaster. And, uh, yeah, when he when – there was other games beforehand, right? It was an all-day event, just like there are now. There was eight games. The game started at 9 in the morning. So – and there was no gym clearing or nothing because it was already sold out. Right. So, like, when LeBron came out, everybody stood up. You know, like to see their team coming out warming up. So it was like Victor doesn't have that yet. Like yeah. you say, he he has the prospect playing, but he doesn't have the A-list celebrity. You know, like it was the only other times I've seen that happen were uh, at an Oscar De La Hoya fight. Oscar De La Hoya mm -hmm. was fighting Sugar Shane Mosley, and Muhammad Ali came out. Everybody stood up. It was oh, like. Wow clapping looking at him there's muhammad like <laughs> yeah and he could barely you know he could barely move he was barely walking like to his seat you know like 
And then uh, at a Midsummer's Night Magic, Magic used to have this uh, all-star game for the United Negro College Fund in the 80s and early 90s. It was at the former. It was very big. So, like, Michael Jordan had that R. Like, people want to see Jordan. They wanted to see him dunk after the game. So, like, MJ, air, 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 air. Like, and I remember Michael sitting there, and he was looking at Magic like, are you really going to make me fucking dunk? Like, I don't want to <laughs> dunk right now. <laughs> He was sitting on his seat. You know how you kind of put the towel over your head and like, like put the camera somewhere else, right? And the fans were just like, air, 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 air. You know, Magic oh was good. My gosh. Man, you know, Magic's on the mic telling, you know, him, he never not has energy. And, Le- and Michael Jordan's looking at him like, you got it. So he got up. It was like, did his kiss the, you know, kiss the rim, dunk, and everybody was just, it was just out of control. So besides those few moments, I don't see, like you said, LeBron had that. As a prospect, I don't think Victor uh, has that again because maybe he's not playing American high school basketball or he's not playing American college basketball. That could be the reason. You know, the G League, like you said, Ani, maybe the marketing, people don't know it. What day did we go? Was that a Wednesday? Was that on that a, was Wednesday? a Wednesday? Yeah, we went on a Wednesday. It was like during the middle of the day. There's a lot of other factors, but uh, – well, you know, Chelsea, what do you see when you see him play? Like, do you what? see Okay, I had a question. I have a question, and I am going to stir the little pot, you know. Yeah. I'm going to stir the yeah. pot a little bit because you guys were just talking about him. So I, have, like everyone else, have been very impressed with Victor because it's like, oh, my gosh, yeah. like, he's a freak of nature, whatever. Yeah. He's really tall. He's incredible. All that's fine. So I have not seen him in person like you have, but I have seen his highlights and stuff like that. But – a part of me too feels like a lot of his game I've still kind of seen already. Like I, I'm, I hear from a lot of people that he's such a unicorn and yeah. there's nobody like him and stuff like that. But I just get flashes of other players that I've already seen. And I think that he's just a little bit taller and <laughs> maybe a little bit more mobile. And maybe I it's something that I have to see with my own two eyes to really understand what I'm watching. But I, I watch NBA pretty often, and I'm going to throw out some names, and I don't want to be disrespectful, and I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way. But, Ani, I would like to say, lately, I've come across some Bobo highlights, and, you know, they're giving poor man's victor to me, okay? Ani, what can't he do? He's built the same. He's two inches shorter. Dribble, shoot, pass, can do all of it. KD, uh, kind of seeing it. Seven-footer, what can't he do? And Victor yeah. will be lucky to be a better player than KD is. Yeah. So there's sure. that. So I, I just – I don't want to downplay it because I haven't seen it. With my own two eyes, I'm just asking. Yeah. Ronnie and Ronnie. Yeah. Is he a true unicorn or are we seeing similarities in these other players that are already in the NBA? And, Ani, I would like to start with you. So. Did you just compare Victor to Bobo? I said poor man's. I yeah. said poor man's. She did. She did. Bull bull. <laughs> <laughs> like, mind you, Bull Bull is having a fine season in Orlando, and I'm happy yeah. for him. Okay, you so I test though. The way that they look and the way that No, move, he moves so much more fluid than Bull Bull. Okay, okay. He moves okay. so much more fluid. You've seen it. I, you've seen it with your own eyes. So yeah, I like, I looked at Ronnie and was like, what the hell am I watching right now? Yeah. Like I like okay. seven five that fluid shoots it the way he does. Yeah, eight foot wingspan, block shots at elite level. We you you're you're correct, and you see bits and pieces of some guys' game, right. 
But to see it with someone that's seven five with the eight foot wingspan and moves just like those guys that are six nine, six ten, or six seven is incredible. Um just to see someone at seven five <laughs> doing these things is different if it's like okay, Bobo's like seven one, seven two, but he still kind of moves stiff at times and sure. you know he does like he he's not He's becoming a better shot blocker in the NBA, but like he's just not, he doesn't have as many freakish blocks as Victor does. And like Victor can like guard down the perimeter better. Someone seven five and move the way he does and shoot the way he does, can handle it the way he does. We have never seen that. Now we've seen bits and pieces from people that are shorter than him, but mm-hmm. some of the people that are shorter than him don't even move like he does. That's what's so incredible about him. Like, barring injury, he's a Hall of Famer. I I agree with the movement aspect, but I also saw him slip on a sticker and everybody (laughs) had a heart attack because his legs folded like a spider. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, so I I am, you know, looking forward to seeing him in person. And I'm very sure he is going to be as good as advertised. I just, you know, I just wanted to ask a little question because I just saw Bobo look really good. You know, yeah. versus uh, the Detroit Pistons. So I'm yeah. just saying, you know, I see a lot of NBA players look good, and that was their only good game. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I like my guy Bobo. Uh, again, I sometimes I think we look at Bobo gimmicky, like mm-hmm. he'll hit a shot or do something. People are like, yeah, more of that. Uh, for what it like, you see, when you see Victor Ani, it's more like, wow, this guy could be great. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. you know, like one a great or something. So. Uh, I know we talked about it on the draft shows and we meant because we talked about Shed Holmgren. I, I just still think the only comparison to 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 Victor is Ralph Sampson. Like mm-hmm. Ralph was seven four, mm-hmm. a dribble. Again, the game wasn't where it is now. Like right. I don't I think people rejected a little bit of the notion that he could dribble and shoot. Like get inside, you know, dominate the paint. Uh there were no obviously I don't like what I I don't like honestly the Victor. Uh, running three pointers and uh, away three pointers. It's not necessary, yeah. in my opinion. You know, like, so that's what we never saw with Ralph. But like, getting above the rim, moving, blocking shots, like some of that is similar. Like mm-hmm. he was a generational prospect, and then he got, he got a, uh, you know, he got unfortunately got injured. But he was an all star as a rookie. He was an all star's first four season. Then he he had unfortunate injuries, and he did four years of college, which obviously Victor's not going to be in that position. So Ralph would have really been like a six or seven time All Star if he would have just went to left Virginia after his first year. Mm-hmm. He would he would have been the number one pick. So again, different times. Uh, I, I'm not saying that Ralph's an all time great player or nothing, but he's an all time great prospect. Uh, I agree. With you that. know, as a prospect, he's one of the best all time. Like, wow, what can that guy be? So uh, for me, right now, Victor just throwing it out uh, out <laughs> there. For me, he's the third best prospect I've seen. Ever. Uh, yeah. ever yeah third best prospect i've seen because i will say uh lebron and kevin garnett were if mm-hmm. he now again kevin garnett's maybe not the best player ever he's not right. lebron but when you look because we saw jason kidd and we saw a few other guys and we're like these guys can go to the nba and mm-hmm. it was like nah they're not gonna go to the nba even a little sean kemp was like that like go to the nba this guy's gonna go to the nba he's nba size he's nba ready and uh, when you saw Kevin Garnett, it's like, he's going to do it. You're like, oh, my God, he is going to do it. 
Like, what's going to make of this? Mm-hmm. And then you saw him, and if you really were evaluating, would take the fact that he removed the fact that he's a high school player. And it's the same thing you're saying, Chelsea. Remove the fact that, that Victor is not in the college American system or the high school American system. Like, if I love Rasheed Wallace, I love Joe Smith, I love Jerry Stackhouse. Like, if the evaluation was just pure and right, Kevin should have been the number one pick. <laughs> right. because, but, and he would have later because people would have said, oh, that's a great high school prospect. Let's look at him. Mm-hmm. He changed the thinking. You know what I mean? You weren't thinking about high school like that. It's like even in in, in Kevin's uh, documentary, it's like Pat Riley said some awesome kind of. Well, do we have to watch this fucking high school player? Or do we really have to go watch this high school player? Why are we here watching this high school player? And Kevin mm-hmm. Garnett was like, "I'm gonna show you MF or while I'm here." And everybody's mm-hmm. like, "Whoa, look at this guy!" It's in other words, it took some while to change that thinking, that mind frame, you know. So by the time we got to LeBron seven years later, it was like, "Oh, he's the number one pick. He's the number one pick." <laughs> No doubt, because I remember I had some arguments with my coworkers, and they're like, Ronnie, Carmelo Anthony's really good. He Syracuse is doing good. He's making a huge impact. I'm like, the high school player is better. Trust me. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, but this guy's dominating college. And then when Carmelo won the NCAA tournament, I told you, I'm like, the high school player is better. <laughs> you know, like, he could do more. He's better. It's just hard because he's playing against high school players. You know, it's hard to rationalize that to someone mm-hmm. who's dominating college, but you had to see them on either on the same court or start, like you said, take away the other nine guys and just evaluate what you're watching. Yeah. You know? So for Victor, you got to kind of do that too. And, and Scoot's a good prospect too. I don't think he's generational. Oh my God. But Ani, maybe you have a thought about that. I don't think he's there. Think he's better than John Waller, Derek Rose. No, think, no, you know, he's no. very good though. Super good. And he's playing pros and he's really good, you know? So, I, I think he'd be number three for me. Who's number two? Uh, LeBron. So LeBron and him. Oh, he's like, okay. I'm, I thought you were talking about like Scoot oh. being number three in the draft. Oh, the draft. No, no, no. Yeah. I think Scoot's a, a safe number two pick. I, I, sure. I don't haven't thought about the other guys after that. You know, uh, yeah. So the, Kevin Garnett just changed the thinking, changed, and he played so hard and he had so much, so much heart with that. And and people made a funny joke. Uh, our guy Clark, who's come on, who's came on the pod before, he said the Bulls should trade Scottie Pippen for Kevin Garnett, and they would be winning indefinitely for a long time. And he might have been right. I mean, that might have been right. But, you know, <laughs> that's what he said. In other words, that's how good of a prospect he thought he was. You know what I mean? And other people weren't thinking like that at the time. They're like, no, no, no way. Like he's, you know, let's give him some time. So uh, I think we have on our guests in the paint show now, Coach Drew Joyce. The third joining us, Coach. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? I'm doing How's good. Everyone? Thank you. Good. Yeah, good. Thank you for taking your time. I know you guys have meetings. You guys are, are are trying to you know trying to win every day, trying to win every practice, and trying to win every game. So appreciate your time. No, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. We're trying to got three games in five days, so we're got a lot mm-hmm. of prep work going on right now. Got you. Got you. Uh, you know, you just came off the we came off the early signing period. Obviously, you're trying to get better, um, and you're trying to upgrade. You know, your program all the way around. So, just talk about that now that you know the most of the top 50 in the country signed, and uh, with all these high school prospects. You know, how's recruiting going in the A10, and and what does your guys' class look like in terms of its makeup? Um, well, you know, uh, congratulations to all the all the uh, young men that did sign. Uh, sure. That's uh significant thing that uh that happened in each and uh every one of their lives um the current state of the a10 
I haven't paid it much attention. I'm more worried about uh, just sure. Duquesne, uh, what we what we need to accomplish and what we need to get done. Sure. And our, our recruiting process is a, is a process. Uh, we haven't um, had any commitments or any signees, early signees. Um, I think we uh, took the approach to understand our team more. Um, we had uh, 10 new incoming guys, so we didn't yeah. know exactly what we had, even through preseason, and we're, we're, we're learning about our team. Um, I think the climate has changed a little bit um, in recruiting. It used sure. to be early on before you, you signed high school players and, and guys out of prep school, and even, even junior college occasionally before sure. you even knew what your team was. But our teams are changing season after season with so many different faces. Uh, I think you have to pay attention to who you have in your own locker room first, first and mm -hmm. foremost. And I think that's the approach we're taking. And uh, hopefully uh, we do find some some good commits out there um, yeah. when our seniors do leave us. Sure. Go ahead, Ani. Yeah, Coach, um, Coach Gambro, uh, he had a success at a Akron, Akron and, uh, you know, it was competitive at Duquesne. And I know COVID I know last year was tough. Uh, let's talk about just <clears throat> how, what's the, been the process of getting them in the right direction. And just uh, for you personally, what's some positive, some things that you can do that bring just the positivity back? Um, you know, I think his success at, at Akron, um, it, it started with, it started with culture. Um, sure. You know, I, I like to, uh, you know, toot my own horn and say I was part of that process. Sure. Uh, you know, being I, I played for his very first team uh, as he took over as head coach at the University of Akron, and um, what 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 continued to happen is is a culture started to be built around um, how our 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 identity as a team was, the way we played defensively, the way we shared the ball offensively, and then when you start to win, people start to believe in you. Players start to believe in you. The community starts to believe in you. And, yeah. you know, recruitment, recruitment is good. And that's where you see programs, you know, they start they start traditions. And that's what happened at Akron. Um, his time here at, at Duquesne, it was a, a rebuild situation. And, and he decided to take on a rebuild probably in the last stages of his career, which is difficult, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not the same energy as a 30-year-old, 40-year-old man coming into a situation. But. Um, he loves the challenge and, you know, there has been some difficult years. Uh, COVID uh, year was in that, in that, in that period of time really was, was tough on not just Duquesne university, but, but many universities out there. Sure. Um, and right now we're just trying to, you know, build, build a tradition. Um, and, and our guys are doing a, a pretty good job of it. You know, I just want to send a shout out to our team. Um, we got a, a big win last night and, mm -hmm. uh, I can tell we got something good um, and it's, it's up to us as a team and the staff to, you know, protect our culture and chemistry and, and keep it going. Sure. Mm -hmm. I really, I really like that. Uh, just kind of to piggyback on, on Ani's question, you know, coach Danbro was the coach um, at St. Vince's your first two seasons and then he moved on to college. Um, was it expected that your father uh, Drew Joyce would be taking over for him um, in the 2001, 2002 season? And also what kind of impact did that have on you in terms of your career? Uh, so, um, that takes me back a little bit, <laughs> but I remember first getting the news, um, unexpectedly. I didn't 
And, you know, I, I, I mess with Coach Danbrock to this day. And I tell him, yeah. man, I, the biggest problem I had is I didn't hear from you that you were leaving, right? It, 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 it leaked yeah. out, right? And I don't think he intended it to be that way, but it did. And uh-huh. as a 16-year-old, and not just me and the rest of our friends, we're, it, it, it threw us into complete chaos. Wow. Our first notion was we're transferring. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, I joke about uh, the transfer portal these days, but I was quick to hit the button like, oh, we're out of here. Um, wow. I had no idea that my dad would be the next coach up. Um, I don't think he expected it. But one thing Coach Danbra did on, on his way out was to the administration, told them who the guy for the job was and that was uh my dad he had he had been around all of us as players and you know um and and friends and teammates since the since the age of nine and uh for him to step in and and take over the team it it felt natural wow yeah yeah that that makes sense coach uh you guys obviously had some success and you guys were a good team before you know we we talked about before you guys came on that your sophomore year you you know, the 79, 78, you, you know, uh, Hawkins from Oak Hill misses that one and one and you guys have a chance to win that game and, and the shot is off and Le- LeBron had a great game. So you guys have had some success and then you, you, you have a coaching change and, and then you guys get to your junior year. And for the first time in three years, you guys lose an in-state game. It's, it's in the state final. Uh, you know, Bron has a good game, but he has some turnovers. Romeo fouled out. Yeah, I don't know what happened. And maybe he got some bang bang calls and, and things like that happened. I, and we know it had a sting, but how did that motivate you guys going in the summer uh, in, in, in your senior year? You know, what did that loss your junior year do to you guys? Um, boy, it hurt. <laughs> it hurt. Uh, I think sure. once we won the first one uh, yeah. as freshmen, you know, yeah. you, you set a goal for yourself. And our, our goal was to to win all four right, to win four in a row. And when you failed in that moment, you have to think about what you did wrong. Like what what didn't you do? What didn't you sacrifice? Or uh, what got away from you for the season? Um, And that was a self-reflection on one through 15 members of the team uh, because, you know, like I said, we failed in that moment and it was – it was it was almost the way we lost too. not just not just losing the game, um, just the buildup of the mistakes we kept making. And my dad reminding us throughout the season that these things would catch up to us. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you think about after that loss is, man, he had been telling us all along, you know, yeah. to be focused, you know, to to prepare mentally and physically our bodies and, and be ready to play, play every game and, you know, buy into what he was, he was teaching. I mean, sure. it was tough because we had won two in a row state championships. We had only lost one game and we're in every newspaper and sellout mm-hmm. arenas and we couldn't hear anything he had to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, talk that's, a little bit about that game. You guys just like, Oh, it's going to happen. Is that what you guys think? Like, this is going to happen. Don't matter if we have a turnover here or a bad shot. We're, we're going to find a way to win this game. Is that what you guys were thinking a little bit? Um, well, we had ultimate belief in ourselves, right, sure, as sure. we should. You know, you know, we were we were a confident bunch. Um, yeah. 
you know, we we felt like we could win the game. And um, what, what people don't know is we beat that team by about 15, 20 points earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. So we had already matched up against them yeah. and seen what their best looked like. Um, but they were the more, more determined group that day. Um, and it only yeah. takes it only takes 32 minutes of a high school game to be better than a team. And mm-hmm. for those 32 minutes, they were that day. They were. Yeah. Yeah. Coach, you know, y'all were ranked 23rd on USA Today. Uh, then you're ranked seventh in the Fat Fifty. Um, just talk about like y'all beat seven uh, team, seven uh, teams from different states. Um, did y'all know y'all had a special group uh, while I was going, and you know how special the team was as that season was going on, or do you really reflect now? Now looking at it now, do you see how special it was? Like looking at it now compared to when y'all were going through it. Um. We knew we were. We knew we had a lot. Um, we knew we were a special team, and we could accomplish a lot. Um, the impact that it's had today, no way did we think that was coming. <laughs> uh, yeah. No way did we think uh, that the tradition that has has taken place now. Um, I think they've won nine more championships, or mm-hmm. no, six or seven more championships since we yeah. left, and there's been. Uh, two other NBA players to come from the school. So uh, we didn't know the impact that we would have over the community um, and the young and the young people in the area. But while we were in it, you know, when we got that first sniff of being in the USA today, it immediately triggered our minds to let's be number one. Okay. We got, we got people paying attention now. Sure. Let's go ahead and do this thing. So don't if we if we seen a crease, we were we were we were coming all the way through the door. <laughs> yeah, what did you guys think about that culture? You like you go into the Oak Hill game, you're on national TV. Now everybody's gonna see you obviously been on TV before, but I mean, did be them having you guys 23? Did you guys think like come on man? What did you guys think anything about that? Or it's like you know, we're gonna we could be number one if if we get through this schedule our senior year, we could be number one and then Obviously, the motivation is there because you guys, like you said, you lost that game to Roger Bacon. So did the motivation come in to play, too? And then, like, uh, you knew you were going to go across the country. So what did you guys – like, did you guys think about that? Or is it like, no, just one game at a time and we're the better team and we're going to show everybody? <laughs> um, honestly, confidently, and, you know, we yeah. thought we were the better team. Sure. Um, we felt uh, we felt slighted at number 23. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is what it is. We understood that. Those that's people's opinions and sure. that's fine. But we, we felt like we were much better than 23. We thought we felt like we were the best team in the nation. Sure. And for many of those, for many of those years, we were always the underclassmen. Yeah. Now we're the upperclassmen. We're seniors, right? When we lose to those Oak Hill teams in years before, that's a senior led team each time we played against them. So yeah. now we're the seniors, you yeah. know, we're not, we're not the young pups anymore. So, we had a totally different outlook on it. Um, uh, we knew what the game, what was in store for the game. I don't know if they did, but we did. We had it circled, and you know, I thought we would beat them the way we did. Honestly, wow. I told my team that we were going to beat them by twenty, and we did. <laughs> That's, locker room talk. That's a little locker room talk. <laughs> no, I feel that. Um, coach, you just talked about you know just the tradition. Um, you know, it's been 20 years and your dad's still coaching at St. V's. Um, just talk a little bit about 
uh, how his, your relationship, how invaluable his mentorship has maybe been on, on your coaching career? Uh, it's been unbelievable. Um, without him, I'm not in the business. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, and I don't even want to use the word business. I'm just not doing, I'm not doing this. I don't, I don't think so. Uh, I'm not playing basketball. Uh, he put the ball in my hands. So, uh, seeing him as, as a coach and being able to witness that day in and day out, seeing what that looked like. And I think, uh, the relationships that I've seen him have with the other players. See, I knew him. He's my dad. I go home with him all the time. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's dad. He's coach, but yeah. that's dad. But I've seen how other players felt about him to where he was a figure like a dad, and that, that really stuck out to me. And now being older and seeing uh, players from my generation and even and even younger come back to visit him, and thank him and want to spend time with him that clicked like uh i want i want that feeling like that's that's something that's special i think uh for me seeing that that that's more than the wins and i know he feels the same way as well makes sense uh coach uh your brother's coach cam joyce is coaching at saint ignatius he's a head coach and they have good team and your dad like he's like chelsea said still has a good team they're not in the in the same division, but they're two of the best teams in Ohio. Uh, do you and your brother ever talk about coaching early, or did it just happen that way? Did he want to get into coaching? How did this come to be? Where like he's a coach now, and and what do they talk about when they when they get together? Like, do they yeah. ever are they going to meet on the court? You know, did do they have a you know? We'll, we'll take us through that a little bit. Well, um, they are in the same division this year. <laughs> So that'll be interesting. And they've and they've matched up against each other three mm -hmm. years. So they play each other every year, okay, uh, which is a which is a tough day. I get excited about it because <laughs> I hear the trash talk, you know, yeah. for a whole year. <laughs> my dad probably doesn't like to play the game. OK, uh, my brother wants to beat him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you have that that dynamic to it. Um, but I think. You know, for us, you know, like our our dad is our role model, um, sure. and we both have this this passion and love for the game of basketball. And um, even before my dad was a coach, he was a youth minister. So we've always had someone, some something like a teacher in the household, right? Yeah. Um, and you you see the impact that that can have, and. You just you just follow it, and I think it, it made sense for the both of us. Uh, Cam's an intelligent young man, on and off the floor. He has a, a beautiful basketball mind, and he sure. knows how to deliver a message and really motivate kids. And I think he's just he's just walking in his purpose, uh, being a coach. So uh, I, I don't know how it happened this way. He could have chose anything, but sure. he chose he chose this lane, and I, I'm excited that he did because he's he's really good at what he does. Great. Um, what advice would you give a high school team with a star that's uh, playing in it? You, you talked about how your dad, when y'all were playing, saying you need to stay focused. And y'all realized you had to stay focused when you lost, right? Uh, what advice would you give a team with a star or just a, a young coach with a really good high school team? You know, how do they maintain focus throughout a whole year, especially when they're winning early and they're getting a lot of attention? Yeah. yeah. Um. Number one, I think don't want don't run from the truth. 
right? Um, mm. Don't run from the truth. We we understood who Brown was. We knew he was a star. So no sure. one kept that under wraps. It was the, no one was like, ah, oh, he's not. You know, we knew he was a star, but we also knew that um, there's responsibilities that come with that. And um, as 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 a leader and a star of the team, part of his role is being able to take the pros and the cons. Mm-hmm just like everybody else. And the coach has to be willing to do that too, right? The coach has to be willing to push that guy and not and not let that star player off the hook. So it's a, it's a lot to manage at times, but um, the biggest thing is just like, if you have that star on your players, like just protect your culture because, you know, and, and don't treat them any different. I don't think they want to be treated different. They want to, they, my opinion of it is they want to feel part of the group. They want to, they want to be, um, locked in arms with the rest of with the rest of the the guys or, or females on the team, and you know um, the, the to the part of staying focused. Um, you just have to understand w- what your goals are and don't don't try to negotiate them. Right, that's when you start getting in trouble when you try to start negotiating decisions that you've already made. Like uh, you know, um, I'm not going to go to the gym this day. No, you've already decided that in the off season that you were going to go every day at this time and get your work in. So don't, don't start, you know, uh, slacking off any bit, you know, if you want to really accomplish what you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Strong words. Um, Coach, is it, you know, those words are, are, are powerful and meaningful, especially to a, to young people. Uh, and you were at that point in your time, a young guy, like, is it crazy to you that 20 years just passed through like, like in a zip of time, is it is it hits you like man? Twenty years ago, we were in high school doing that, or is it is it all making sense? Um, I would I would say at times it moves fast, and it, at times it makes sense. Um, yeah, sure. And I think the most important thing that I got out of it is I I just stayed in the moment. Um, yeah, I enjoyed the moment. I was present in it. I didn't try to to focus on things that I didn't have any control over. Um, yeah. So I think staying in the moment allowed me to appreciate um, the time that me and my, my 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 teammates and guys we got to spend together to appreciate mm-hmm. the wins. And for me, the, those things they may have moved fast twenty years ago, but they feel like yesterday sure. um, because I was just that locked in. And I don't need videos and pictures. <laughs> You know, these are all word of mouth stories. So, you know, they, they, they're probably not the same as they used to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that makes sense. And you mentioned earlier that, you know, you, you, you be special. This could be a special thing and you're in the moment and it's helped you guys and the community that you grew up in, 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 in Northeast Ohio. But uh, did you guys know that then? Like, Hey, you know, Bron's going to go to the NBA. Like you said, you didn't sugarcoat it. Dude's going to go to the NBA. He's going to be, you know, uh, a good player, like, did you guys say to yourselves, Hey, we want to do something with this. Maybe we can give back to the, to, to the community by opening a school or, or doing some mentorship. Did you guys know right away you're going to do that? Or did that happen later? Um, he's, he's always dream big. Now he didn't voice all of his dreams, um, but he's always, he's always, um, idolized, um, Muhammad Ali and what he was able to do sure. as far as um, 
ignite not only his community, but even the world, right? Everyone felt felt connected to Ali at some point. Sure. Um, and that that's that's something that stuck out to him. So him having a school, um, did he voice it? Did he tell us? No, but is it amazing? Yes. Is it a surprise? No. <laughs> it's like it's it's uh it's something that's that's right up his alley, I think. Um, you know, uh, being uh, where he came from and the struggles that he overcame, it, it, it just makes sense. Um, and we take a lot of a lot of pride in in where we're from. Uh, sure. Each and every one of me and my friends, just being from from Akron, uh, it's a small city. Uh, we felt uh, that it was overlooked, and no one ever mentioned uh, anything that was good coming out of no one no one had the recognition um and we always thought it would be cool if people would one day if you said Akron they know exactly where it was at yeah that's a great point and that's a great thing and on uh, two people do know Akron and they do know your guys team and I'm glad that USA Today motivated you guys and you guys finished number one so we appreciate your time coach we really appreciate you jumping on during the middle of your season and Good luck the rest of the way. I know you, you're busy, so uh, good luck in your next couple, few games. No, thank you all. I appreciate jumping on the show. I had a fantastic time. Um, good luck to you all the rest of the way, too, as well. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you. thank you, Coach. Take thank care. You. Chelsea, what would you think about what he said? You're a big LeBron fan. Uh, you know, he gave some good insight. What, what you What you get out of it? Um, you know, I actually was just more interested in just getting his perspective. Sure. I mean, I've followed LeBron, you know, sure um, for a long time now. But uh, the thing that he st that said that kind of stuck out to me was just you have to have these goals and you have to make sure they're non-negotiable. And I think that a lot of times, you know, especially me just in my career, <clears throat> I always just tried not to cheat the game. Sure. Because I felt like when you do that, like. You know, it, the game knows You're, they're only going to give you like what you've worked for. But I, I just like that, that, you know, even if you don't always attain these goals or whatever, you write them down and you, you, you have to attain them or, or, or do yeah. your best, you know, to get to that point. So that was something that really stuck out to me. But just just how sound coach was like, obviously comes from a good family, has his dad's, you know, um, footsteps that he's been able to follow in. Sure. And, you know, I, I think it's incredible just what you know what his high school and you know his brotherhood of braun and, and rome trav and all these people were able to accomplish and you know obviously braun gets most of the notoriety notoriety but you know they, they built a culture and, and maybe braun wouldn't have turned out um to be you know as exceptional he was still going to be a star as they said you know if he didn't have these people to lean on and i, sure. I didn't get to ask coach but i always just think about like you know, I, I've never met Coach before, but I've seen a lot of pictures of him just because Braun really values, you know, the yeah. relationship that he has with those boys. So sure. I, I just feel like I think it takes a village, you know, in, in anything. And and he's a part of LeBron's village. And, and he's sure. a reason that, you know, he's had so much success. Whether you want to, you know, measure how much, I really think having solid people around you um, makes a difference. And I think that, you know, we, we know uh, Coach Drew Joyce is, is very solid. So that was sure. my takeaway.
Ani, you have some uh, closing thought? Yeah, no, I thought it was just kind of dope, just kind of getting the uh, seeing how the whole family's coaching, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, yeah. yeah, I thought that was just kind of a cool experience. And he just talked about, you know, you can't run from the truth, you know, and yeah. just talk about how to build successful programs. And I think that's big. I think a lot, you know, with social media and players being able to, you know, post highlights, people saying this and that, I think yeah. the truth does get hidden <laughs> a, a yeah, lot, you sure. know, I think, um, I think sometimes coaches and, and just adults, you know, they don't want to, they don't want, they, they want to run from that. So I just think just hearing that and just, like I say, just has a real calm and sound perspective on things and just seeing the yeah. whole family coming together and just thoughts of LeBron, that's still family 20 years from now, you know, 20 yeah. years uh, since, and then talk about just the legacy of building and them still having six, seven more state titles and multiple pros, just, you know, they yeah. started something special and it's kept going 20 years later. Like that's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, his coach is still there. They've been in the Fab 50 before in recent years. Uh, uh, Sincere Harris is one of those players he's talking mm -hmm. about who just came through Ohio State a couple years ago and was and is very good. And, yeah, I got that. That's what I got out of two, Ani, the, the calmness. I'd want that dude to be my point guard. Like, he yeah, walked what? on a strip at night. <laughs> you know you're going to win. He's, yeah. like, super confident. You know, just very uh, level-headed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. and you can tell he's a point guard just from his, his, his demeanor. But, yeah, that's – very interesting. Twenty years is just crazy that it's been twenty years to me. And yeah, they—it's believe it or not—they—they they exceeded expectations if that's possible. Even like LeBron individually that year, it's like, oh, you're the national champs. You guys beat Westchester. You guys beat Modern Day. You beat Oak Hill. Blew them out by twenty. Like they kind of exceeded expectation. And it goes to what Chelsea said. They had the good chemistry. I think that's what sticks out the most about the um, the Pangos game against Modern Day. Modern Day was a good team, not the greatest team, but. They beat him handily, and and LeBron didn't have a, a oh my god game. They were moving the ball. They were sharing the ball very well. That's what I remember about the game. They were sharing the ball very well on the perimeter, and and, and they got the win, and and they didn't lose any game on the court. So, uh, yeah, I think on that note we just wrap up. That that was a great interview. I, I love his perspective. We're gonna watch the you know the season go on. We'll see which team is a national champ this year. You know, uh, you know we did start them number seven, so I'm glad about that. If they would have won that Roger Bacon game, we would have started them number three. I remember we were like, "Now nah, let's start them a little lower." They lost, but yeah, not not too much lower than that. So they they lived up to expectations. So we appreciate him coming on. We appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, we're just gonna jump off now. Uh, that was a great note to end on. We're just gonna watch games, and we'll come back in a uh, in a couple weeks after some games are under our belt. There's a lot of games, and and we'll talk about them and and see how the top players are doing and the top teams as well. So. Until next time, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, there's, uh, let me got to mention that there's a Black Friday sale on, on shop.ballslife.com through mm -hmm. Monday the 28th, up to 50, 60% off various items. Go check it out. Once again, that's shop.ballslife.com. Our in the paint um, promos still work. You know, if you want to hit those up, 20% uh, off I I N T H E P A I N T on the first purchase. So appreciate it. Mm -hmm. But from now, for Chelsea and Ani, we're going to log off. Bye, guys.